I can totally relate when it comes time to pray. The table stops and looks at me every time I'm at the table. And I'm all like, you pray. <laughs> Anybody can pray. Uh, have you ever been in a moment where, where you hear somebody pray and you pause and you like, almost like jealousy comes over you. You're like, man, that, that dude, that girl, she can pray. Like she knows Jesus. And like you get like this moment where you're like, I want to pray like that. And I, I, I get like that. I, I, I've heard people pray where I'm like, man, I wish I had their relationship with Jesus. I wish I could pray as they're praying to God right now. And, and this past uh, Monday, I, I had a deep, passionate time of prayer with my Jesus. Uh, Y'all know we had this grand opening thing last Sunday, and uh, it blew up in all the right ways. And like, some of us left here with smiles, some of us left here like, oh man, there's a lot of good things going on. Like, I left here crying, because I was like, this is awesome and stressful all at the same time. Like, you all slept Sunday night. This homeboy didn't sleep. And, and so I, I wake up Monday morning, and I just needed some time with, with my Jesus. And instead of going to God with the problem, I wanted to start by thanking God for creating a great problem of people, people, people. And so I started my time of prayer by thanking him. And the things that I was thanking him for probably would, would, would I don't know, I thanked him because Alicia, she was pa helping pass out communion cups, and there's this girl named Deborah, part of our church. At the end of church on Sunday, they were bickering like BFFs, like teenage, like middle school girls. They were bickering. And I left here, I, on Sunday, on Monday morning, I was praying, God, thank you that they were bickering because it showed me that they had a friendship wrapped around Jesus that started here at Wellspring. I, I, st I thank God for, for a conversation I had with a guy named Matthew who looks just like Glenn from The Walking Dead. We had a really cool conversation. I was thanking God for that. I had a conversation with a lady named Gina who grew up in Texas and was like, I'm coming back to Jesus. This hit me so hard. I thank God for that. Uh, I was thanking God that I was, I was walking around the coffee area. Somebody said, hey, this is my one. This is my one, meaning this is somebody I've been praying for and they came to church. I thank God for those conversations. I, I thanked him that, that my friends that I've gotten to know at Chick-fil-A, I go there every Friday, some of them came to church last week. I thank God that my kids got to know people in school and some of their, some of their classmates, uh, do you say classmates? That sounds dorky. Some of their friends came to church and, uh, and their teachers. I thanked God that we had 35 guests. 35 visitors fill out a connection card saying that they want to stay in contact with us. I praise God that 22 people in about two weeks have indicated some sort of faith in Jesus. And as I was walking by my house, my time of prayer just got so so deep because I think that this time of thanking, this time of gratitude was the gateway to a passionate time of prayer. I think thanksgiving and, and gratitude awakens passionate prayers. And so for you and I, like, there's times where, like, we're praying, and it's, like, right before we go to bed, and we're praying, and then, like, we wake up to ESPN Monday morning. We're like, oh, I don't even remember praying last night, but I think I was. Like, two seconds in, you're, you're asleep. <laughs> or... Or we're praying and like we, we've heard other people pray and we're like, man, my prayers are weak. My prayers are surface level. Might it be, might weak prayers, might surface level prayers be a result of, of 
a lack of gratitude. And so the aisle hosts are going to be passing out uh, an, an index card with a pen. Uh, aisle, are there aisle hosts in here? Maybe? Okay, at some point, you guys already got them. I'm not throwing the aisle hosts under the bus. They're doing their job. So on that card, <laughs> if y'all could write down three, four, five people that you are most thankful for. I think Paul passionately prays, and I think he passionately prays the Apostle Paul for people that he's very, very thankful for. So as you're writing down those, those names, we're going to look at Ephesians 1.15, and, and this is what Paul says. Hear the gratitude in this. He says, for this reason, because I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards the saints, people of faith ought to love people of faith, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. He, he looks at this group of people from a, from a city called Ephesus, and he says, you have faith in whom? Jesus. He calls Jesus Lord. He understands that these people have faith in Jesus, Jesus as Lord, which is a very important word prior to saying Jesus, Lord Jesus. Why? Because there is only one Lord. If Jesus is Lord then he's Lord of all. If Jesus isn't Lord, then he's not Lord of all. He's either Lord or he isn't. And so he looks at these group, this group of people and they say, you have faith alone in Jesus Christ. And he's thankful for that. And he, he, one of the reasons that he knows they have faith in Jesus Christ is that their faith has now transitioned into action. That they're not just coming to church on a Sunday morning, here in the presence, and leaving, cursing out a parking attendant. That they're, they're praising Jesus, and then the, the words of praise are then transitioned into action as they love the people of God. He sees their faith as actionable faith, and so he's thankful for them that true salvation has produced love. And so he, he prays this heartfelt prayer based in gratitude, unceasing prayer for these people. And so our thought for the morning that I hope you walk away here remembering is that gratitude deepens our prayers. You want deeper prayers, become a people that are grateful. A glass half full people will pray deeper prayers. Gratitude deepens our prayers. And so in Ephesians, the next few verses, 17 through 23, we're going to see two ways in which, motivated by gratitude, we can pray deeper prayers. And so this is how the, pa the passage goes on. Praying for endless growth. The, that, the God of our Lord Jesus, this is how Paul continues this prayer, the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Do you, do you see Jesus, Father, and Spirit mentioned in that first little verse there? We serve a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's all mentioned there. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which you have, he has called you? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And, and what is the immeasurable greatness of, of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Jesus Christ when he raised him from the dead? 
and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. When we say endless growth, that's one of the values here at Wellspring. Endless growth, we, we have two meanings to that. Endless growth is that we don't think there's any number, that there's no limit to the number of lives that we can reach for, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we do want to grow bigger and bigger and bigger by planting more and more churches to reach more and more people for Jesus Christ. Our job is never done until God calls us to return to glory. But the second part of that is... The second part of that is that I, as a Christian, have no room to come alongside you and kick you proverbially in the butt. Well, I don't look at my own life. I have room to grow. I want to wake up every single morning before I come alongside you. I'm looking at my own self saying, Jason, where aren't you like Jesus? And every single day I have room to grow and become more and more like Jesus Christ. And so when I'm saying pray for endless growth, that's what I'm saying so we understand that we're on the same page with the same lingo. Now, that last phrase, raised Jesus from the dead, we can't pass over that. Many of us come to Easter, great, come and bring some friends. When we celebrate Easter, we're celebrating a risen Savior. But in our American culture, sometimes we, we blow right past that. We can't blow past that. Who here, who here can leave and say, I, somebody's going to kill me today, but don't worry, in three days I'm coming back. If you say that and you mean that and you keep that up, at some point you're in the loony bin. <laughs> but Jesus said it, he predicted it, and then he pulled it off. That is a demonstration of power, is it not? It's a power that none of us here possess. It's a power that none of us in and of ourselves possess. It's a power of Jesus that Jesus has. And then Jesus lives inside of us. Guess what God did to Jesus when Jesus was in glory? Is in glory. He seats him at the right hand of God, which is, which is power, which is position, which is authority. My God ain't a dead God. My God is there in heaven sitting at the right hand of God. And you know what, me, that, what that means when he's at the right hand of God? He's sitting right next to God the Father. I don't pray to a priest. I don't pray to you. I pray to Jesus Christ because he's sitting at the right hand of God and he alone is able to talk to God on my behalf. And so he's, he's positioned to do something on our behalf. And so we, out of a place of gratitude, we bring him our prayers. And what Paul is saying is as he's praying for these people that he's passionately caring about, he wants them to increase their knowledge. He wants them to grow in knowledge. He wants them to grow in wisdom. He wants them to grow in the understanding. He uses the word inheritance. Inheritance. You want to know what our inheritance is? Is that one day as believers, yes, this world has a lot that we should maybe be anxious about. But one day we will die. And the Christian, you want to know what our inheritance is? You'll be ushered into glory. You'll see Jesus face to face in all of his glory. I want that for you. I want to pray that every day for you, my people, that we would, we would grow in an understanding that we get to see Jesus face to face. That's not just something that our kids programming is learning every single Sunday. That's something that you and I live out in that reality. And so I want us to grow in resurrection hope that we will see Jesus face to face. I want us to grow in resurrection power that you and I know as Christians, we have the power of God living through us and we have the 
Spirit of God. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of me. And so that's endless growth when I pray for you and I to have resurrection power, resurrection hope. And he says that he wants them to have it more and more. It's almost as if they, they, they don't understand what they already possess. It's, 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 it, he doesn't want them just to, he wants them to know God intimately. I, I know a lot about Ava. She's my wife. I have a personal relationship with Ava. I don't merely know facts about my wife. I have a personal relationship with my wife. There's emotions tied with knowledge. And that, to me, is what is that intimate, passionate relationship. That's where I pray for you in regards to endless growth. Not that you're just going to grow in facts and knowledge of God but that you're going to tie emotions with knowledge. Because if we're only based by emotions, who here doesn't have, when, if you're only led by emotions, who here isn't a train wreck? <laughs> who here isn't living a life of like up and down, up and down? But it's when we know knowledge, take knowledge to our emotions, and we test our emotions against truth. We let truth guide our emotions. That's what a personal, intimate relationship is. And I want to pray this for you every single day that we would grow in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ where our knowledge meets our emotions. Because when I know Jesus personally, my perspective on the world changes. So I want to grow in this every single day. When, when Paul is talking about growing this, you could leave here saying, if I need to grow in this, does that mean I don't have all the power? Does that mean I don't have all the knowledge? Does that mean I don't, like I'm lacking something? Perhaps it's, perhaps it's not needing more of something. Perhaps it's just an understanding that of what we already have. I think that's what Paul's driving at. You have the spirit of God living inside of you. My prayer is not that you would have more. My prayer is that you would understand what is already yours in Christ Jesus. So I, 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 uh, I take a break every now and again. I let other people preach. And uh, I remember Pastor Ritter's first sermon back in the day where he preached uh, the beginning portion of, of Joshua. It was, a kill, it was the best sermon I've ever heard Pastor Ritter preach from Bayside Chapel. I, I've heard Josh, uh, uh, Josh Raj get up here and preach. And I remember when he opened up about his dad, and I remember some of us coming to him after the sermon and talking to him about what a, how passionate and vulnerable he was to open up about his story and how it, it had a positive impact. Uh, I remember Graham. I know, I've known Graham for so long. Y'all remember when he preached last and he was telling jokes and he was funny? I've never known Graham to be so funny, but here he was preaching and killing it. <laughs> and, and what would it say about me if I sat in the audience praying, oh dear God, I hope they suck today. Oh, dear God, I hope everybody begs me to come back. <laughs> what would that say about me? Does it say that I love Graham, Josh, Pastor Ritter, whoever else preaches? Does it say I love Jesus? <laughs> what, what would that communicate if that was my prayer? Do I, do I celebrate that I'm surrounded by strong leaders, or do I get jealous that I'm surrounded by strong leaders? Where do you go with that? It, 
And, and, and so when, when, we, when we see God, well, how is this going to, to, to affect our endless growth? If we have joy for God, joy for people, joy for these people, then what should motivate my prayer is that endless growth. God, help them to grow more and more. God, help them to deliver a strong, a strong sermon. God, help them to deliver whatever needs to be had. I, I, my passion for Jesus and my passion for my friends should motivate my prayers for endless growth. So you might have a coworker that you really, really love. And you love your job. Do you get jealous when they get the promotion you don't? Or do you praise God for God answering your prayers that they're growing in their field of work? I think that's what motivates or can demotivate, I should say, our times of prayer. Isn't it jealousy? Christians in non-Christian circles, we, we get jealous of people. And jealousy, which, which is not gratitude, that's a half-empty perspective. Jealousy is going to kill our time of prayer, isn't it? When we get jealous of people instead of taking joy for people. Paul has joy for these people, and it drives him to a place not of hate. It drives him to a place of passion. So if I love physical health and I love my brother, when my brother gets more physically fit... I take joy in that. I don't go to a place of jealousy. If I love my job and I love my coworker, when my coworker advances, I take joy in that. I don't go to a place of jealousy. If I love my friend and I love my, my area of study, when my, when my friend does well on a test, perhaps even better than I did, I take joy in that for them. That's what joy does. Joy keeps a glass half full perspective. Jealousy kills that perspective. When I have love for God, the mission, and the church, and love for the people I serve next to, I take joy when they get leadership opportunities that I may not have yet. Because we're in this together, reaching more and more people for the gospel of Jesus Christ, no matter who's on the front line of that. We all take a role in that. And so endless growth, it, it, we can't have jealousy. Jealousy will kill our pursuit of endless growth. It, so then he goes on, pray for uncommon relationships. I'll explain that in a second. So we're praying for endless growth, and now we pray for uncommon relationships. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. He has put all things under his feet and, and, he, and give him as head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We believe in uncommon relationships. We want our relationships to look so uncommon that 20 years from now, we're just talking about relationships, that we don't care about age. The old and the young can come together and talk about Jesus, different races, different ethnicities. We all can come together and talk about Jesus. We want uncommon relationships because we think uncommon relationships honor God. And so we have life groups that, that, that honor God with, with diversity in them. We, we want that. We want uncommon relationships. Why? Because what more uncommon relationships do you and I have than holy God with unholy man? Our uncommon relationships is an indication of an uncommon relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. And so what he, what he does here, think, think about this. You and I might lack joy. You know who goes into life with a glass half empty perspective? Satan. He has to have a glass half empty to perception because he's a defeated foe. Satan is a thief. It's listed in the Gospels. He's called a thief. 
He steals joy. That's, that's all of Satan. You know how Jesus is described? That, that you may have life and life abundantly. That's of Jesus. You know who has a glass half full perspective on life? Our victorious king. You know who's go, who says your joy is going to be your, your, your strength? Our God says that of us. So when joy is our focal point, we, take a, we go from a place of strength with that. Satan wants us to live in a glass half empty perception. Satan wants to steal our joy, snuff that out, because when our joy is stolen, we lose sight of our holy, awesome, victorious king. Now, circle back to this passage. Who's in control of the church? It ain't me. It ain't me with the roller coaster emotions. Who's in control of the church? Jesus, he's head of the church, not you and me. In the, in the passage, who's being, who's being described here as the head? Jesus. Who's being described as the body? You and I. Who's in control of the body? The head. That's how head and bodies work. When you have a brilliant head on yourself, a good, a good uh, head on your shoulders as to say, guess what that translates into? That you can play a drums the drums with excellence because your head is telling you when to whatever they do. <laughs> you, you, you've studied, you've studied, you've studied and it comes down to write a word on a test. It's your head telling your hands. It's the person knowing and understanding the violin that can all of a sudden then take their hands. I don't know how they do this but they, they do it and they, and they do this like different angles and stuff. And they play beautiful music. It's the knowledge of the head that translates into a beautiful piece of artwork. It's the eyesight. It's, it's, it's the understanding. And so, where, church, where is our focus? Is it on body things? Or is it on the head, which is Jesus Christ? Is that our, our focal point? Because when our focus point is on Jesus, guess who receives all the glory? Jesus. When the focal point is on you and I or myself, guess who I'm trying to give glory to? Me. But all glory belongs to Jesus. When, when I'm focused on Jesus, I'm focused on his greatness. When I'm focused on Jesus, I'm focused on consistency. When I'm, when I'm focused on Jesus, you, you, we all can bicker. I'm not focused on our bickering. I'm focused on Jesus. When I'm focused on Jesus, it's not my car breaking down. I'm focused on Jesus. When I'm focused on Jesus, my kid might have scored a bad grade or he, heaven forbid, he's suspended for two days. My focus is on Jesus and working Jesus through the situation. My focus is on Jesus, not the circumstances. And so what that is, is an uncommon relationship, is it not? When we get to be focused on Jesus Christ, because when I was in my starting point, Sarah Jeffries used a brilliant word that we are beacons of God. She used the word beacon. I thought that was such a beautiful word. How how awesome is it that God, head of the church, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, is working through us? And guess what that means, this uncommon relationships, that you and I are beacons of the glory of God. Think about yourself for a quick second. By yourself, are you a beacon of God's glory? I'm not. But the uncommon relationship that I pray for all of us to grow in every single day translates into the glory of God being manifested through you and I as his body. 
I, I had a situation when I was running the youth ministry. I, had, I always like to change people's name to Mildred when it's, whenever it's a female. So I had this, this young lady named Mildred come into the youth ministry, and she was kind of a train wreck. And, and no one really, really wanted to let her help out at the youth ministry, but I, I saw a heart for some sort of a heart for God, but a real a heart for teenagers. But everybody was like, how can we let her serve in the youth ministry? Because she's kind of a, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't really have her life all together. And I was like, well, is your life all together? No, so we should. And, and so they, they were all saying no. And I was like, you know what? Nope, nope, we're going to use her. She's not going to spiritually impact our students, but we're going to find a spot for her. And so all of a sudden, the person that was in charge of check-in, all of a sudden, they needed an assistant. And so I had her be the assistant to check in. And what that meant was that she was sitting in on every single youth talk. What that meant was she was building uncommon relationships. What that meant was my youth leaders got to know her a little bit more. What that meant was when life hit the fan for her, my youth leaders were able to love her, were able to, to give money, were able to encourage her. She was able, because I grew a friendship with her, when life hit the fan, she came and she got counseling from me. She was gaining a perspective about God. And at one point, she said yes to relationship with God. At one point, she went to a two-year university or two-year school called Word of Life Bible Institute, where she fell in love with middle school students. And you know what she's doing now? She's leading a ministry at a local church, counseling young middle school and high school students that are going through hardships at home. Because I had a group of people that said, this is an uncommon relationship that we shouldn't promote. And I said, well, Jesus loves us with an uncommon relationship. How can we find a way? And as I thought about this this week, I, I, I remember, remember this dude named Levi in the Gospels? Levi was a tax collector. He was hated by religious people. And Jesus hangs out with him, talks with him, and says, follow me. He becomes a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. And you know what happens that evening? Levi throws a party for all his sinful people, friends. All of his friends and Jesus shows up to the party to hang out with some of the most sinful people. Uncommon relationship. What came first? The call or the change? What came first? The call or the change? God called him and then worked on changing him to be more like him. Why do we go into relationships trying to change people before being focused on Jesus Christ, the head of the church? Why are we always focused on change before introducing them to, to relationship with Jesus Christ? Jesus is still in the business of, of trying to bring health to sick people. And so we need to pray for uncommon relationships. This church is never going to be healthy in and of itself. It's never going to be full of people that are healthy in and of themselves. Our health is going to be based on Jesus. When we constantly, sick people, give ourselves over and over to Jesus Christ, when we're endlessly growing, we'll produce uncommon relationships amongst ourselves as we are praying for one, praying for one. God, bring the sick people in from our community. Bring them here. Because we want, them to, we want to introduce them to the head of the church, Jesus Christ. And so we pray for one. Gratitude deepens our prayers. We pray for endless growth, and we pray for uncommon relationships. There's 20 of you or so that, that have said yes to relationship with Jesus in the last two weeks, and uh, that's awesome, and we celebrate with you. 
And perhaps you left here thinking, where do I start? What do I do now? When, when this, this pastor gets up here and he's talking about prayer, like, I, like I, I said yes to Jesus. What is this prayer thing? All I know is some recited prayers. That's about the extent of my prayer life. Here's what I want to suggest to you. Jesus loves you and all your sinful friends. You know more sinful people than I probably know because I get surrounded by all these religious folks. So the 20 of you that said yes to Jesus, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Start praying for one. Start throwing parties with all your homies and invite Jesus into the process so that they can meet Jesus through the process. Start praying for one. Jesus left the 99 in search of the one. That's why we say pray for one. Here's what you can start doing right now. Get focused on an uncommon relationship, and that is Jesus with all of your friends because he loves you and your friends. And so start by praying for one. And perhaps you, you're, you're like me where you might fall asleep at night and you're like, I thought I was praying, but then I, <laughs> then I just fell asleep. Here's, here's my prayer habit. And, and here, yes, I am Pastor Jason talking about a prayer habit. And you all are going to walk away with being like, well, that's cute for you, Pastor Jason. But I, I, guess what? I put my pants on just like you. My kids scream just like your kids. My wife and kids are gone for the weekend, and it's glorious just like it's glorious for you. I kid, that's, uh. Here's my prayer habit. Here's what it takes. Walking, time, and focus. Can you do that? So my prayer habit is to wake up early in the morning and, and to go for a walk with my smelly dog. And I go through an acronym because my brain likes to go all over the place with a whole bunch of stuff on my brain. I go through an acronym called ACTS. It's the, it's the fifth book of the New Testament, the book of Acts. I go through an acronym in my mind as I pray and I structure my prayers. There's nothing holy about it. There's nothing scripted in scripture about it. This is just what I do. I walk to remind myself of the glory of God. I live kind of close to the bay, so I walk to the bay. And I look at God in all of his glory with the, with the ocean. And I pray a prayer of adoration. God, I adore you. I adore my salvation. I adore my forgiveness. I enjoy the mercy. I enjoy being still in the presence of God. I, I, I talk about God, how much I adore him. Then I go to a time of confession, the sea, where I'm saying, God, this is the areas where I am still screwing up. God, I just read this in your word, and I suck at being resentful. God, I need help in being a resentful person. God, help me in this. I'm confessing this sin over to you. And then I go into a time of thanksgiving where I'm saying, God, I had a conversation with Gina and Matthew, and it was glorious to see how, God, you're working in their life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then the S is just a cheesy word called supplication because you need an S to have acts. And supplication is then the last point. You, you start asking God, God, I, I have this bill that's unpaid, and I don't know how I'm going to pay it. God, my friend is struggling in this area with addiction. God, can you reach in? God, here are my pray for ones. God, would, would you bring salvation to this person? Would you use me in the process? And so I, I use a thing called Acts as I, as I pray. And so you wrote down some names. How would your prayers for that poor person correlate with your gratitude for that person? As, as you think down, as you read the names that you wrote down, are your prayers saturated with gratitude for those people? And if not, what's the disconnection? Where, 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 where's the struggle? Where's the rub? And so that's, that's my challenge for us this morning is, is that we would, the seven, we're going to call it the 732 challenge. 
that we would pray at 732 because Tom's River has that 732 zip, zip code, zip code, right? Area code, area code, area code that thing. <laughs> we have that. And so at 732 that we would pray for this next week. Pray prayers of gratitude for the people that you wrote down. Now, if you don't know how to set an alarm, here's a video of how you can go to your iPhone and set an alarm at 7.32 a.m. or p.m. And this is my genuine challenge to you and I, is that we would pray for these people, that pray for their salvation, that we would pray for their endless growth, that we would pray for an opportunity to encourage them, and we would pray for their physical needs. And if you want, if you're if praying with Paul, these are two books I'm going to have up here at, at the end. If, if you want to learn more about praying and praying as Paul prayed, I'll, I'll give those to you as a gift. It's hard to maintain jealousy for people that we're genuinely thankful for. It's hard to maintain a glass half empty perspective when we're praying for people that we're grateful for and giving, giving them over to God, somehow prayers of gratitude will lend itself to a glass half full perspective. And so I pray that you will join me at 732 praying for people that we are deeply grateful for. And when the God of this universe meets us in our prayers, let's be a people that celebrate. Thank you so much for watching. If this was your first time with us, we hope you enjoyed that message. And if you call Wellspring Church home, different ways to give are listed in the video description below. And please subscribe to our Facebook, Instagram, and this YouTube channel to be kept up in all the newest content from Wellspring Church.